0: As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com/inventionage. Oh hi, there. I'm Anna Kasperi, and I'm the host of No Filter. You, can, you know what you're listening to. You clicked on it, either on YouTube TV. Or on iTunes, you know what you're gonna get, but you know what, I don't know what you're gonna get. Cuz I'm in a weird mood, I kinda wanna go off script, I kinda wanna piss everyone off. But I won't, I won't. I'll be a good girl. I'll go ahead and read the script that I spent a lot of time writing and a lot of time my producers uh, put into it uh, in research and all that. But um, yeah, I'm rambling now, so let's just get to it, all right? We're gonna start off with a really important topic involving jobs in the state of California. But it's relevant because it applies to what's happening throughout the country. So let's go to the story, all right, California has been ravaged by multiple wildfires throughout the state. The Mendocino Complex Fire alone has quickly spread to become the state's largest fire in history. The Washington Post notes that the car. Ferguson and Mendocino complex fires have burned hundreds of thousands of acres. By the time they are all extinguished, this trio may end up equaling about 750,000 acres. That's about the size of Rhode Island, all in flames. Each year, California's wildfires increase in intensity, with extreme weather conditions including droughts and heat spells exacerbating the issue. California spent a total of $505 million battling fires in 2017, and about $177 million was spent on the Thomas Fire alone. Now, those numbers are already set to increase in 2018. One would assume that the state would dedicate resources to hiring trained firefighters to help protect its residents and their property. But getting hired as a professional firefighter in California is incredibly difficult. Now, is it because the state has insanely high fitness standards for firefighters and people just don't qualify? No. Is it because there's just too much competition within the profession and there are limited positions available? Not exactly. Professionally trained firefighters are facing competition, but it's not from the people you'd expect. In addition to roughly 7,000 full-time and seasonal California firefighters, the state relies on about 3,500 prisoners, including many women, to battle the blazers. The California Department of Corrections tweeted last week that at least 2,000 prisoners are currently fighting the wildfires burning across the state, including 58 youth offenders. Yeah, 58 youth offenders. Now the prisoners who risk their lives on the front lines to battle these ferocious fires get compensated. $2 a day while they're in fire camp and $1 per hour when fighting active fires. Trained civilian firefighters in the state usually get paid a mean salary of $74,000 a year plus benefits. According to Bill Sessa, a spokesperson for the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, The inmates are not the ones up in the helicopters dumping fire retardant. But they're in the thick of it, cutting fire lines and helping to save large areas of California. The Atlantic notes that collectively inmates work an average of 10 million hours each year responding to fires and other emergencies and handling community service projects like park maintenance, reforestation, and fire and flood protection. Based on interviews, many of the inmates who have joined the program do enjoy it. It's a, it's a big opportunity. Robert Lane joined California's inmate firefighter program about five years ago. He saw it as a chance for redemption. Tell me what you are in for. Um, it's a, a violent crime. It was a GBI. What's that? A great bodily injury. I'm giving back to the community for what I did. We're not really calm based on the back of this bus. We're treated as firefighters. And that's a good feeling. It is a good feeling. Got it. It seems like this has really changed you. It has, absolutely it has. It has. It it lets you know that you're, you're worth something. So what you just saw was one of the upsides of programs like these. But there are major issues with this program that I'd like to draw attention to. Full disclosure, my husband Christian has undergone extensive training to become a firefighter in the state of California. But he's had very little luck in getting hired. I have first hand knowledge about what it took for him to get the proper training, to even be considered for a position. Getting CPR certified was the first minor step, but then he had to spend a great deal of time and money to undergo emergency medical technician training at UCLA. He also had to pass a national registry test and prove that he's in top physical shape for the job. And believe me, he is. After he passed all of the necessary tests, uh, and after he gained the proper certification, he had to wait his turn to interview with various fire departments. Interviews are time consuming and insanely detailed. They essentially take up an entire day. If he passes the interviews, which he has, extensive background checks are then conducted, and they can take months. Now they're performed to ensure that the candidate has a squeaky clean record. And guess what? Christian does. Despite being a perfect candidate, Christian hasn't had much luck. My husband even underwent extra training uh, just to give him an edge over other candidates. But neither one of us realized that California's fire departments had no incentive in hiring and fairly paying professional firefighters because the state has been relying on prisoners to risk their lives almost for free since the 1940s. Money always tends to be the underlying justification to exploit some while screwing over others. California saves 80 to $100 million per year by passing on professional firefighters to hire prisoners instead. But once these low-level inmates are released from prison, they're not even able to pursue a career in firefighting because they have a record and wouldn't be able to pass a background check. Romelin Ralston, who worked as a fire camp trainer during her 23 year prison sentence, explains all of this in greater detail. The firefighter training that you receive while you're incarcerated, you don't get enough of the training needed to apply to CAL FIRE. Because of licensing, incarcerated firefighters are not, or folks with a criminal record. Once they are released, they're not able to get an EMT license. And that's one of the critical pieces to applying for these jobs post-release. Another problem to consider is that this incentivizes the imprisonment of nonviolent individuals who shouldn't be behind bars in the first place. Wanna know why? Because it provides a steady flow of slave labor to fight the increasing wildfires in the state. Now, Vox noted that as California's prison population has fallen over the past few years, the state has struggled to refill its prison-fueled firefighting ranks, leading to a 13% drop in the number of inmate firefighters since 2008, even as the state's fires have gotten worse in recent years. Hey, California, how about hiring professional firefighters instead? Will the state pony up uh, and use the cash to hire qualified firefighters like my husband? Or will it rely on tough on crime legislation to criminalize enough people to fill its firefighting ranks? The current system cheats law-abiding citizens who have committed themselves to the profession. It also simultaneously exploits people behind bars and kicks them to the curb as soon as they serve their sentences. So while we watch these fires burn through hundreds of thousands of acres of land. Think about the underpaid prisoners who risked their lives on the front lines, in addition to those who got cheated out of a job they worked extremely hard for. We'll be right back. Howdy, welcome back to No Filter. Most of us knew that the anti-immigrant rhetoric during Trump's presidential bid would open a can of white supremacist worms. But the far right's ideology is even more extreme than expected. Because at some point, while we were all distracted by Trump's scandals, his administration, in addition to his Fox News cheerleaders, slowly moved their goalposts to target legal immigrants. Let's begin with the most recent example. Here's Laura Ingram on Fox News, clearly fear-mongering about massive demographic changes thanks to illegal and legal immigration. In some parts of the country, it does seem like the America that we know and love doesn't exist anymore. Massive demographic changes have been foisted upon the American people. And they're changes that none of us ever voted for and most of us don't like. From Virginia to California, we see stark examples of how radically, in some ways, the country has changed. Now, much of this is related to both illegal and, in some cases, legal immigration that, of course, progressives love. Yeah. That was pretty bad. Ingram tried to walk back her statements after receiving backlash by saying her commentary had nothing to do with race. Here's the thing, you can't pretend like your hate for immigrants isn't racially charged when you specifically highlight scary demographic changes in your rant. Ingram isn't the only person who has gone after legal immigrants. There are actual White House officials who have already executed policy and have pending policies that would clamp down on immigrants who enter the country legally. Stephen Miller, Trump's proud white nationalist advisor, was the one who crafted the administration's zero tolerance immigration policy, which separated children from their families as they were seeking asylum at the US-Mexico border. While much of the conservative narrative insisted that these immigrants were attempting to enter the country illegally, evidence showed that many families were blocked from ports of entry, which is the legal way of entering the United States as an asylum seeker. Even the Center for Immigration Studies, an anti-immigrant think tank found this to be criminal and objectionable, writing that quote, although the US Customs and Border Protection has insisted that asylum seekers pass through ports of entry, it has denied potential non-Mexican asylum seekers access to the inspection area at ports of entry and left them stranded in Mexico. The administration has criminally prosecuted and detained asylum seekers in order to deter others from coming. It has separated children from their parents at the border. Okay, when the Center for Immigration Studies writes stuff like that, you know your administration has gone too far. But if you think that was a particularly horrendous moment in Trump's administration, keep in mind that Stephen Miller isn't done yet. NBC News broke the story of what Miller currently has up his sleeve. The White House is now finalizing a proposal. They don't need to go through Congress to get this done. They can just do this through a rulemaking. This would limit those immigrants from getting that citizenship or those green cards if they've ever been on public benefits. That includes Obamacare, it includes child health insurance. It includes food stamps, it includes a lot of programs that a lot that immigrants, especially those working in low wage jobs, would need just to support their families. And again, these aren't illegal immigrants, these are people, law- in the United States trying to get status either as citizens or as legal permanent residents. So let me just summarize, if you are in the country legally with a green card and you are doing everything you can to legally obtain full citizenship in the United States, Stephen Miller is doing everything he can to prevent that from happening. On a recent episode of The Young Turks, I shared more on this story. These are people who are currently in the US with visas or with green cards, they're individuals who are working paying taxes. And so the Trump administration, specifically Stephen Miller, wants to make it impossible for them to ever gain citizenship. I wanna be clear for the the second time. These are people who are in the country legally, they have green cards, they are working, they are paying taxes. I'm being repetitive on purpose because I wanna make sure everyone understands what's happening here. Miller isn't, or Miller is going to exploit this myth, and it is a myth, that undocumented immigrants are mooching off welfare programs to drum up support for his policy among conservatives. But illegal immigrants do not qualify for federal government programs. Only people in the country legally do. Again, these are people who pay taxes, so they're entitled to help if they qualify for it. NBC highlighted the story of a Haitian man named Louis Charles, who has a green card, owns a home, and pays taxes. But despite working 80 hours a week as a nursing assistant, Charles had to use public programs to support his disabled daughter, adult daughter, because healthcare in this country is so outrageously expensive. Charles is doing everything he can to legally gain full citizenship in America. But under Miller's proposal, his chances are slim to none. And keep in mind that under Trump, getting a green card is already much more difficult. According to NBC News, data from the first quarter of fiscal year 2018 indicates that the administration is on track for a decline in immigrants-granted green cards by 20%. I wanna share data dispelling the myth that people in the country illegally abuse taxpayer-funded government programs. They don't because they can't. On a state level, sometimes undocumented immigrants can qualify for programs in that state. But according to econofact.org, On a federal level, unauthorized immigrants are ineligible for most major federally funded safety net programs, including temporary assistance for needy families, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and Supplemental Security Income, otherwise known as SSI. They are also prohibited from non-emergency Medicaid, the Children's Health Insurance Program, and the Medicare Program. Undocumented immigrants are not eligible to receive insurance subsidies under the Affordable Care Act or to participate in the ACA insurance exchanges. I'm not done yet. Undocumented immigrants are not eligible to receive social security benefits, even though many contribute $12 billion a year to the system. The only time federal taxpayers spend any money on undocumented immigrants is when they end up in emergency rooms, which is why it's so important to pass comprehensive immigration reform so they can access preventative care instead of outrageously costly emergency services. When looking at legal immigrants, you'll see that even they don't abuse the system the way Trump's administration would have you believe. In fact, a study by the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities found that the biggest beneficiaries of government safety net, of the government safety net are working-class whites. The study indicates that of all working-age adults without college degrees lifted out of poverty by safety net programs, half are white. While nearly a quarter are black, only a fifth, one-fifth are Hispanic. Remember that we're talking about people who are in the country legally, they qualify for these programs. This data completely disproves the narrative that Hispanics rely heavily on government programs. The National, Account, the, the National Academy of Sciences conducted its own immigration study in 2012, I'm sorry, 2016, and found that less than of legal immigrant households used Medicaid and food assistance. But we have some more data for you. When it comes to food assistance, 23.9% of native born Americans rely on the program, while only 21.5% of immigrants do. 6.6% of native-born Americans rely on affordable housing programs, while only 2.3% of legal immigrants do. And 25.2% of native-born Americans rely on Medicaid, while 21.5% of legal immigrants do. Look, I'm not sharing these numbers to demonize anyone. Whether born in the United States or someplace else, we're talking about people who are here legally. These are our fellow Americans, and I find it our responsibility to look out for our country and help pull people out of poverty and into opportunity. But we cannot, and I will not, allow this myth regarding immigrants to continue spreading like wildfire by bad actors like Stephen Miller. It's an attempt to divide us through fear and hatred. I believe Americans are far better than that, and we shouldn't allow the Trump administration to manipulate us. I'll be right back. Welcome back to No Filter. All right. Uh, so it's very tempting in times as crazy as these to focus on the negative, but I prefer to focus on ways to turn things around. Not really. I'm actually very pessimistic, but still. So here are some suggestions in a segment we call Let's Do Better This Week. Ben Shapiro, let's do better this week. You challenged Alexandria Ocasio Cortez to a debate. And to make it extra creepy, you also offered her campaign $10,000 for it. First of all, Uh, Gross. Secondly, that's got to violate a whole bunch of campaign finance laws. Third, you're funded by pretty much every sketchy right-wing corporate interest known to man, which is specifically the kind of donation she swore off because of how that money ruined politics in this country. So no, there's no way she should or would accept your challenge. Also, why would she debate you? Are you running against her? Why do you feel the need to insert yourself into all of this? She speaks for a whole movement of people earnestly trying to improve the lives of working class Americans. But you, on the other hand, it's almost as though you noticed her rising popularity and are just trying to get in on the action. At first, Alexandria didn't respond. But after your fans pestered her for 24 hours, she finally came back with this. She tweeted, just like catcalling, I don't owe a response to unsolicited requests from men with bad intentions. And also like catcalling, for some reason they feel entitled to one. Totally spot on and fair, yet Ben, you responded by saying, I'm an orthodox Jew, and I have never catcalled a woman in my life. Okay, like she's not literally saying you're catcalling her, Ben. She's pointing out the similarities. It's a simile. That's how those work. Plus, if you read the tweet, she was actually responding to the hundreds of Ben Shapiro bros who wouldn't leave her alone. And her criticism of them is valid. All they wanted was attention. And when she entertained that instinct even a little, they howled with excitement. As for you, Ben, I don't think you were catcalling. That's being too generous. You have a way more off-putting fetish. Ben. You have a debate fetish, a gross, disgusting, almost pathological debate fetish. You wanna live out some weird fantasy where no matter what anyone says during the debate, you and your supporters claim victory for destroying someone. It's no-holds-barred, hardcore William F. Buckley role play, And to top it off, you want to make it rain $10,000. Another interesting tidbit is when you added, quote, I would offer Bernie Sanders $50,000 to debate. Absolutely. What in the world does this have to do with her being a woman? What it has to do with her being a woman is that you only offered her $10,000 and Bernie gets 50 Gs. It's 20 cents on the dollar, Benji. We demand equal pay. These debates do not serve the public discourse. Your intentions are by no means pure. You know it, I know it, and everyone knows it. That's why you're so mad, bro. So please, do better this week. All right. Uh, so. I want to take the time to thank the people who work so hard on this show. I'm not the only person behind making No Filter happen. I wanna thank Sloan Bozzi, Adriana De La Vega, Dan Evans, Brett Ehrlich, Jesus Godoy, Ja'Cory, uh, Jacory Palmer, uh, Bart Kyle, Craig Lowry, Edwin Umania. so many people. Thank you so much for watching. I love you guys, and we'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed my show, No Filter, and I actually film it every single Monday at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. So you can check it out live on YouTube TV, just search for TYT Network's YouTube TV channel, or you can check it out in podcast form on iTunes later. Thank you so much for watching, and don't forget to check me out on No Filter.